So, Father, we ask today that as we speak from your word, from life, that you would be with us. Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to be the disciples that Jesus would want us to be. That we would allow Jesus to work in us, to bring us to maturity and wholeness and healing so that we truly, truly are living as the body of Jesus, the body of Christ in our world. And each, each time we gather, each time we pray, each time we read our Bibles, each time we interact with so each is an opportunity for our growth, for our maturity, for our um, becoming more and more like you, Jesus. So help us today as we, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think the thing, I'm going, to, I'm going to say this every week, but I think it's important to rem- remember that what we, are, what we are doing as community is saying, how do we live as disciples of Jesus? And what does that mean? It means we are becoming disciples. We are growing as disciples. We are learning how to make disciples. That's the Great Commission going all the world, make disciples and, and immerse new disciples into a Trinitarian understanding of faith. It's a community thing and teach People to observe, to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Um, I think for so long, we have, if you've been around, I've been in part of church now for 36, 37 years, whatever. For so long, we taught to obey the church, kind of. Now, in some way, there's a truth to that. But we never taught people actually how to obey Jesus. Uh, Now, I think I was saying in a moment, there's a weakness, not a weakness to that, but there's a, a, there's a way that it gets spun off that's actually not helpful. Um, but we'll touch on that in a moment. But it's important for us to see who we are as a people, what we're about. We have a specific vision, a specific goal we want to the, How do we live as disciples of Jesus? How can we go make disciples of other people? It, that's actually the command that Jesus gave us. Anything less than that is not to live the life that Jesus asked us to live. Um, and so we want to keep going back to that. It's not a sexy message. It's not the woo. It's a just we slow and steady along obedience in the same direction. This is what God wants us to do. And who we become in Jesus is far more important than we achieve things or we do things. If those flow naturally out of who we are becoming, that's a good thing. But it's possible to do activity without becoming the people that Jesus wants us to, to become. And so that's really important for us as we grow in the things of Jesus. So the first week we, in this, new, this series we're kind of doing over the summer and then out of the summer is um, what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? Or how do we live in the kingdom of God? Things that have to do with that. The first part we, we looked at theology, kind of some heavy moments out of the parables, and now more kind of let's look at some of these things that affect us as we live in the kingdom of God. So the first one we looked at is that we are part of a larger story. And it's important for us to see that. If we don't see that, we just become these isolated people. We're born, we live, we die, and life is meaningless. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And it has no eternal ramification. But actually, we are part of the story that God is narrating, that God is bringing about that goes for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and we play a part. And in that, we become baton passers of this great message, this great truth we receive, and we're going to pass it on to others. And it, the sadness is that so, so often, the, the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus, stops with us because we don't pass it forward. We don't go make disciples. We don't give it to someone else. And... Inherent 
in being a disciple is that, to receive and to pass something forward. We live in a culture where it's all about us. We want to be, receive the baton and we want to be the one that runs across the finishing line. Now, in, in a theological understanding, we, as all of believers, we're going to do that. But in terms of the, the narrative of God's story, we're receiving and passing forward, hopefully with a greater faith, a greater sense of purpose, and hopefully people go further than we, we've ever been. Our kids, we want our kids to do better and go further than we ever did. Isn't that right? Otherwise, we just say, no, we don't want you to succeed. No, we want them to go. We want that in the church as well. We want people to go further than we've ever been. Then last week, we spoke about telling our story in the midst of that greater story. How do we tell our story? That's one of the ways that we pass the baton forward. It's one of the ways that we can inter intersect with people. The gospel story is telling our story, whatever that story looks like. Some of it, sometimes it's dramatic. Sometimes it's just a faithfulness. Sometimes you grew up in the church and there's been a faith, whatever. We find ways to tell that story. Now, we are going to start doing that. We're not going to do it tonight. Joe, Joe came and said, I've got my story I want to tell, and we're going to be doing that. So we, over the next weeks, we want people to begin to tell their story. Three minutes. Tell your story. Um, and the thing we want to say is tell the story in the light of the gospel, the kingdom, passing something forward. How do we pass Jesus forward? Not you know, my story is this and I went to church and hallelujah. No. How does it help us to in, in, engage with those who don't know Jesus? Today we're going to talk a little bit about belonging. Um, and... I think this is a really, really important part of our faith, is belonging to God's people. Um, you know, when, a little bit of my story, when, when, when I became a Christian, when, when Jesus found me, whatever term we would like to use, and I got saved, I met Jesus in a radical way, or Jesus met me in a radical way. But the thing that enabled me to become the person I think that God wanted me to become, the good bits, not the bad bits, is that God immersed me in a community. He didn't leave me by myself. It was the community. So I always say, Jesus saved me, so did his church. It's like you being born as a human being. You've heard me say this. You were born, but the family, you were born into the human race. You were born into a family. They helped you to become the human being that you were meant to be. I become the person that God wants me to become because I live in community and I have those people. And so in the natural, we do that. In the spiritual, we do that. We are born into the human race. We are born into the body of Christ. We are born into a specific family. We are part of a very specific family in the church. And we have to see that. It's, it's, it's important. If we look at the Trinity and the Great Commission is go, baptize people, immerse them in a Trinitarian understanding of, what it, of God's people, is that it's Father, Son, and Spirit, this community, this this community that lived in perfection for all eternity, mutually submit, submitting, mutually loving, doing the things that they have to do. The Father was part of something, the Jesus was part of the Holy Spirit. And community, as we understand it, always flows out of that understanding. It never flows out of some sort of, I'm just going to use you and need you. I'm going to be in community because what can I get from you? No, I'm part of community because I can help you, you can help me, we can help each other, and we grow. Now, Brian did an amazing talk months and months ago on the Trinity, and it's worthwhile going to listen to it again. Um, I'm not going to cover that all again. Here's an interesting thing. Jesus kind of never said, join the church. He said, become my disciples. He never said, go join the church. 
However, it's an implied reality because Jesus came from a culture that was rooted in community. The Jewish community faith is rooted in community. You just got to read the Old Testament from tribes and clans and families and nuclear families. There's rooted in community. So when we, he, this message of the gospel is passed forward and you see the Holy Spirit come in and you see Acts and that text that Aaron read, the first thing that happens at this great salvation, these people gather in community. They become the people of God. And not to be functioning in the people of God as family is to live outside of what God intended. I'm going to touch, say a little more about that in a moment. Currently, we live in a world that is fractured. Would you agree with that statement? Families are fractured all over the place. Um, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, I won't say that. There's a lot of families breaking up. People have moved different places. So I've got family that's in South Africa, and I'm here. Some of you have family in other states, other nations, because that's the way the world works. But in God's economy, he provides these, these groups of people all over the place that he calls the church to say, there's a family, I need you to belong. So if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm not going to read the text today, but I'd love you to go read it. It's saying, my language, how can you say I have no need of you? How can the eye say I have no need of the ear, and the ear say I have no need of the tongue, and the tongue say I have no need of the small toe, and the small toe so I have no need of the, the cruciate ligament or something? We need one another so that we can function because none of us have everything in our own personhood. We were meant to be connected. What's the song we used to sing as kids? Or the kids used to sing in nursery? The knee bones connect. What's that song? To the thigh bone and the jaw bones connected to the heel bone. Yeah. Was, we, we, we were meant to function because we belong to one another. Because when you belong to Christ, and there are a lot of texts in the New Testament about us belonging to Christ. When we belong to Christ, by default, we belong to one another because Christ has a body. He doesn't, he has the head, and dangling off this head is Terry. And then dangling off this head is Tehillah. And dangling off this head is Nancy. And dangling off this head is Aaron. And we're just like, you're like an octopus. It's not like that. It's, Jesus is the head of this body that functions together. And when we want to live outside of belonging, we are preventing God's body from functioning the way it was meant to function. Does that make sense? So it's important for us to see this. And when you read 1 Peter chapter 2, and again, I won't read it, he says, we are living stones that we are being built together. There's a part in the wall for you. There's a part in the wall for me. And I've been shaped to fit into that spot. And, the, and grace and love cements us together as we grow into this holy habitation for God. But when we say, I have no need of you, I can do this by myself, we're actually going against the grain of everything that is the gospel. And it's one of the weaknesses of kind of, uh, uh, what's the, I want to use broad language, but in a, in a way, please help me, of reformed evangelicalism. It's the weakness is that it's me and Jesus. I get saved and I'm okay. 
Actually, we are saved into family, into something that we belong to so that we can function. If I want to grow in maturity, I need people around me that are going to do that. So when you read the letters of the New Testament, you read any of them. They are written to people living in community. They're written to people who are functioning in community. Not just living in community. They're functioning in community. Every one of us has a part to play in what God is doing through the life of our body, and this body part of the larger body, and those bodies part of the body of Christ to impact the world, the universe, with the greatness of the kingdom of God through this great, great gospel that we have received. But when you read the letters, you also see that they are written to a body, living to people living together in community, functioning in community, and it's correcting them, it's loving them, it's caring them, it's urging them, it's spurring them on, it's encouraging, it's comforting, it's serving, it's all these things that make up the body. And when we stop doing that, we do not function as the body of Christ, we do not look like the body of Christ, and therefore we are not a good witness to the world that needs to belong, to actually see God in operation, to see God moving as He intended. So when you, if you just go back and do a cursory reading of the Old Testament, and it's wonderful to read the Old Testament. I know sometimes we get bogged down in certain texts of the Old Testament. But when you read the narrative of the Old Testament, there's this beautiful story of people doing their part. This tribe did that. This tribe did that. This tribe did that. And within a tribe, this family did that. This clan did that. So that we did it together. When you see Nehemiah and Ezra and they come back and they reestablish the temple and they're building the walls of Jerusalem, each person's got their part, building next. And even the perfume maker is doing his part in building the wall of God's habitation. It's really important for us to see that. We belong. We belong so that. Not, we don't just belong so we can hang out. We belong so that we can represent Christ to the world and function like that. So that we care for one another and serve one another and love one another, encourage one another, kick each other in the pants from time to time. Because we need it. I need it. Maybe I'm the only one. Have you got that image? Does anyone know what that image is? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What's the bottom one? Physiological needs. Food, water, warmth, and rest. That's a very basic... Sorry? <laughs> That's a very basic need of a human being, of, of, of a creature. You need food, water, warmth, rest, and I would add in there oxygen. All right? But we need those things. Have you, it's interesting that rest is there. In our world, that wouldn't be there. But actually, in the understanding of the human being, as it functions on the earth, psychologically, we need rest. As much as you need water and air and food. What's the next one up? Security and safety. Our world has gone crazy. People, actually, many people don't feel safe in their own families. There's abuse in families. Families are broken up, so the units are breaking up, so there's, there's none of that security and safety, and so people are, are, are fractured, they're fragile, they're afraid, 
Gangs are on the increase. Why? Because it's a place to belong. When we came to the United States, and I remember sitting across from the, at the, at the American consulate in Johannesburg, talking to the consular general, and he's interviewing us for our green cards, and he's talking, and then he says, as I said to everyone, when you get there, there's two important things to do. It's hard to settle. You either must join a club or join a church. That's what he said. He said, because you need to belong. What's the next one? Belongingness and love needs. Intimate relationships and friends. Here's the thing that happens. Is that we can get so caught up with our own immediate family. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. We have to be caught up with your family. But mom, dad, and your kids and whatever. That can become such an insular nuclear thing that you don't interact on a broader level with others. And what you're actually doing is not preparing your kids to live in the world that they're meant to live in. We're meant to connect with others. There's a beautiful thing of being able to come, like when we go out here, and, and kind of your parents just let the kids run. Because there's a safe spot, and they can be together, and they're learning to love one another, and play together, and bruise themselves, and blood themselves. And, but there's something beautiful about community living together like that. Because it's the way it was meant to be. When Jesus was 12 years old and they went to offer the sacrifice in Jerusalem, it took three days before they realized he wasn't with them. How long would it take us to realize your kids are not with you? Not very long. Because we are so frantic. Because the world's like that. The world's fr- and I'm, I'm not saying we need to go to those days. We don't live in those days. We live in these days. And life is a bit crazy. I used to ride on my bicycle at four or five years old and go to the corner store just by myself and do things. Why? Because that's what you did. That's all, but you don't do that anymore. The world's changed. So understand that. But it took three days. For, because why? The kids were part of this caravan. They were part of this belonging and we, want, we, we, we can do that. We can create this place of belonging so that there's a place of safety. This has to become the place where I can stand up here and say I've had a, I was going to use a bad word, but I went, I've had a terrible day. And I'm sorry my preaching's bad and I'm exhausted or whatever. And, and everyone says, it's okay, let's pray. Let's, and, and the next one says, man, I've had a great day. And we celebrate. And the other one says, man, I'm lacking. So here's the money. And the other one because we belong to one another. It says they were together and everything was in common. There was this sense of we belong, we belong, we care for one another. Belonging is kind of right up there. Then esteem needs, prestige and feeling of accomplishment. And then on top, achieving one full potential, including creative activities. Do you see where it is? It's up there. It's not a baseline base thing. Our world flips most of that. Our identity comes from what we achieve. In Maslow's hierarchy, our identity is tied into who we are and who we belong to and how we participate in life. Have you seen how that's flipped in our world? Now, I'm not necessarily saying we can go unflip it. But as God's people, I think we can begin to say an intentionality of saying this is what we want to live. Um, Dallas. Last name? Everyone knows it now. Speaks about vim. We need a vision of what life should be like. A, v- a vision of the goodness of God. 
When you get that, and that's why we talk about this belonging. This is what the community meant to look like. This is what God's people are meant to look like. This is what the gospel looks like. This is whatever the family looks like. When you get the vision, then you can say, I can be intentional about getting there. But if you don't know where you're going, you can't be intentional about it. But once you know what you want to achieve and you are intentional, then you can have means. You can put things into place to help you get there. So part of what it means to live in the kingdom and the practicalities is finding the means that help us get to the end goal, which is how do we belong to one another and function to one another. So when you're at work and you're having a, a bad day at work, there's, you can text and three people immediately go and are praying for you and encouraging you and helping you through. Because that's what it means to belong to one another. Am I making sense? Or is it coming through my tiredness? And no one doesn't make any sense at all. Here's a danger that I, I want to speak about. So I am, a, I am a firm believer in, I'm a, I'm a disciple of EHS for example, and spiritual formation disciplines and all that. I really am. However, those things were put in place to help us as people come to grips with who we are, deal with our past, deal with all those things, so that we can better function in God's community. It's so easy for that stuff to become individualistic. And we stop serving one another because... No, I need time to myself right now. Now, we all need time to ourselves. But sometimes the call of what God is saying calls me to the life of sacrifice and the life of service that breaks me out of that. Now, the church I grew up in, the type of church was, we never had time to self-reflection and dealing with those things and emotional health and dealing with your past. We were just serving and we were at meetings every day, and you'd phone, and you were there, your kid, and everyone blew out, and he's exhausted. The, my fear is that we go the other way. It's all about me. We go back to the, the top of the list. It's all about me. I'm going to be okay. I need, I need rest. You know? I need to process this, I need, which is true. But not to the expense of what it means to belong and serve and be part of God's people. It's like when your kids come crying and they're bleeding. I need a... Sorry, daddy's having a quiet time right now. It's self-actualization. I'm dealing with my emotional baggage. We don't do that. You stop and you deal with things. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, uh, we're not here. We're not here. We, we got This is to help us. But this is also to help us. Because if we all said, I just need time to myself, I just need, who would serve one another? Who would care for one another? Who would do anything? We belong. And in that belonging, there's self-sacrifice, there's, self, there's serving of others. Sometimes when you're exhausted and you have to lay something aside. No, but I've got to give Jesus the first thing. Well, yes, you do. But sometimes giving Jesus the first thing is serving someone in his body. Because we belong to one another. Oh, so hear what I am saying, don't hear what I'm not saying, huh? or whatever the terminology is. I am not saying you, we should not be dealing with our past and learning to rest and Sabbath, which we're going to cover all that stuff, and we're going to look at emotional health as part of this series as well. I'm not saying we sh shouldn't do that, but please don't find yourself going off like that. It's a tool that God's given us so that we can do that. We want to go forward, not sideways. 
and it's over a lifetime. As they would say in a Pentecostal church, can I get an amen? <laughs> it's really important for us to see that. Um, How I'm trying to think of how to say something here. Um, I won't say it. Um, I will say it. I'll say it, but in another way. One of the things that's fascinating to, that I, to observe is this. Is that when there's a need, say, we want to pray for something. We don't see that as an urgent for, for me to participate, for example. So we had a time the Ruizes were in urgent need. We called a prayer meeting. Hardly anyone came. Why? There was an urgent need. Here's the guilty part I'm throwing upon you. I'm, th okay, I'm acknowledging I'm putting guilt upon you, deliberately. If it was you who was in need, would you want people there praying? And it's in those times, and it, those are not often. They have, it's like, no, I've got to find a way to actually break out of the rhythms of what I've created for myself because we actually have a crisis. That's what it means to belong to one another. And I want to encourage us to that. I'm just, and the guilt is a joke, by the way. I'm not trying to make, I'm just trying to give an example of something. Because we want to grow into what it means to belong to one another. For so, for so long in the church, it was like you belong to the church and the leaders are going to direct you. Do this, do that, do this, do that. And we don't want that. But there is a time, sometimes, where the leaders say, this is what we are doing. Get on board. You know, if you look at the pictures of the church, the pictures of belonging, and, and Ephesians is a great book to go look at it, that we have the church as a bride. Do we? And there's a leadership capacity as the church as a bride. I'm, and we never take away that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the leader. Is that, can I take that as an uh, assumed yes? But I as a leader, and I'll just use me as examples on the point. I as the leader, this is the bride of Christ. I've got to, I, I've got to live as a eunuch. I'm preparing the bride for the bridegroom. I cannot take advantage of the church. I cannot abuse the church. I cannot rape the church. I can't do any of that because I am the eunuch that come in to prepare the bride for Jesus. The church is also family. So sometimes, I, I, and I think this is the most common, I need to operate as a father, caring. How do we do this? But the church is also an army. And, some, and an army is led not by fathers. It's led by generals. And sometimes we have to say, actually, the Ruizes are in trouble. On Thursday, we are fasting and praying, be there. Change your life. It's an urgent need. I'm using them as an example. The trouble is, if we keep living like that, which we did for 30, 25 years as church, you just get exhausted. Because the church is meant to be a family, predominantly. Because we belong. But there are times 
When as a father you say to your kids, sit down, it's dinner time. If that's how you lead your family all the time as a dictator, it's not good. Because all of that makes up what it means to belong. I'm meant to be a master builder as we build the body of Christ, the temple of God. There's all those pictures. They all make up what it means to belong to one another. In our belonging to one another, I'm, I'm nearly done. Do we know what each of us does? Really, do we know what each of us does? Work-wise. Do we know the things that we value? Do we know those about each other? How can I care for you and pray for you and stir you on and encourage you and sometimes kick you in the pants if I don't know what your life's about? Which means we have to self-disclose to one another because we belong to one another. Man, guys, we are a small community. We can know each other. We can truly live as community and say, we can stand up here and say, my marriage sucks at the moment. And you, you, <gasps> no. Hey, my, so does mine. Can we pray for each other? Because that's what it means to belong. My eldest daughter is so rebellious. And we say, how can we pray? And I say, could you just take her under control? And whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because we belong. Do we know what we do? Do we know? Do you know what Aaron Wazalewski does? Any of you? Sorry? You might know who he works for. But do you know what he does? Do you know what makes him at work? Do you know what makes him tick as a person? I think it's important because we belong to one another. We're going to tell stories, and we're going to, over this start, we're going to tell stories. Also, let's tell stories so that we know each other. We can love one another in a way that we haven't done before. We're part of this great narrative that God is writing, that God is... And in that, we have our story. And our story belongs to the other stories. Because together, they make up the grand narrative. Does that make sense? We want to celebrate when you celebrate. We want to weep when you weep. We want to dance when you dance. We want to mourn when you mourn. We... Because that's what it means to belong to one another. Let's read that text again from Acts 2. It's most probably the text that's most shaped me as a follower of Jesus in terms of understanding of community and church and belonging is this text. Um, and I'm going to read... Um, I'm going to read from verse 36, actually, to Hila, if that's okay. So what's happened, the context is Jesus has ascended. He's told his disciples, he said, I need you to wait. I want you to go as my witnesses. I want you to go and speak and live and show what it means to be my disciple. And you're going to be witnesses to these things, but don't go until you are empowered from on high. So they wait 10 days for what we call Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, at that time, they, this fearful group are in an upper room, but they kind of belong to one another, 120 odd crazy people hiding in an upper room, waiting. Waiting because they were obedient to what Jesus asked them to do. And then one day the Holy Spirit came powerfully into that room, settled tongues of fire, and all sorts of things happened. People from many nations were hearing in their own language, etc. Thousands gathered because thousands got saved besides those who didn't. So a lot of people gathered. There was a, a lot of noise by 120 people. And then Peter stands up with the 12. It says they all stood up. There's suddenly these fearful people are empowered by God and they stand up together. And Peter be, preaches the sermon. This Peter that was the impetuous one who did all stupid things and denied and is restored, but he walked on water and then he started sinking, but he must have walk, walked again because he got to the... I mean, it's just like a crazy story. Stands up and he preaches Jesus. And he says this in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I mean, it's a, this is a challenging word. You crucified. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word, his word, were baptized, and they were added that day, that day, about 3,000 souls. That's, that's pretty like much revival. And there were a lot that mocked. And these 3,000, with the 120, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. Together. Now, do you think all 3,120 of them were meeting together in one place all the time? No, we, later we see they didn't. But there was a togetherness. There was a sense of they belonged to one another. they together. How do we know that? And had all things in common. That is so anti-American. Have all things in common. It's the way of God. Have all things in common. What's mine is your, you know, it's yours, and what's yours is mine. Whoa, no, no, that's just evil. No, but there's something beautiful about this understanding that we belong to one another. And I don't think it's saying, like, everything is yours is mine, everything is mine. No, it's saying we care for one another. We really care for one another. And when someone had need, we helped those needs. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. feels like the day you get saved, everything's exciting. You give everything away and you do. And then a year later, you think, what the heck did I do? And take it all back. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they'd need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There was something about this life together. 
There was something about this idea of belonging to the people of God that was highly, highly attractive. I would like that for us.